the Bible Study Podcast, episode 325. Today, the Bible Study Podcast concludes John 4 and starts John 5. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We're going to finish up John 4 with the first mention that John has of Jesus really healing. John 4, verses 43 through 54. After the two days, he left for Galilee. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine, and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my son dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. It's interesting, remember we said in the beginning that John has a different emphasis than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is writing to people who have read those other Gospels, or at least one of those other Gospels, because he's writing much later. And so he's not writing because so much he needs to fill in the gaps in the narrative as he needs to bring explanation. He's writing to Christians, not to the Romans as Mark was doing, or to the Gentiles as Luke was doing, or to the Jews as Matthew was doing. And so we're in John 4, and by this time, Mark would have gotten through probably a dozen miracles, because Mark is writing the Romans, and he's writing about the power of Jesus. But John is not emphasizing that as much, and so he's gone into much more theology as he started it out. He's gone into the turning water into wine, and then finally here he's gone in John 4, almost the end of John 4, Jesus healing someone. And interestingly enough, this one not even being laying his hands on them and healing, but healing at a distance. And so this man comes to Jesus whose son is dying. And he's apparently come a ways because as he's heading back, he learns that the boy was healed yesterday. And so it's taking him a while to get home again. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, please heal my son. And Jesus says, if you, know, if, if you don't see signs, you won't believe. But he says, sir, come before my child dies. All I care about is my child. All I care about is will my child live? And so Jesus looks at the man and says, your son will live. Go. And I love the next line in the story. It says, the man took Jesus at his word and departed. Okay. We we see that later on with the centurion in Luke's gospel, I believe it is, who is told, just say the word and my servant will be healed, for I am a man under authority, and I tell to this servant, go, and he goes, and this one, come, and he comes. This man, like that centurion, understands that Jesus has the power, has the authority, and now he sees clearly that Jesus has the will to heal his son. 
And so he takes him at his word. Now I'm going to go home. I have done what I needed to do. And he's on his way home when they meet him and say, great news, he's healed. Great news, the fever broke. And so he asks, and, and wouldn't you ask, wouldn't you want to know, okay, he's healed. When did it happen? Can you tell me exactly? Were you looking at your watch? Well, not your watch. Were you looking at your sundial? And they give him the time and he knows. He knows. It's not a coincidence. It happened at the same time. And it says that he and his whole household believed. I love this story of the official son. We never get his name. We don't know what happens to him after this point, but we have this act of faith by the Father who comes to Jesus knowing that Jesus has the power and authority and asking him if he has the will, who goes away when Jesus tells him that it is done, and who double-checks the time and finds out that it's just the way Jesus said, and he believes in his whole household. Great, great story and example for us. Continuing on into John 5, we get the second healing that John talks about, the healing at the pool. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So Jesus is not yet known in this story, apparently, for his healing. At least he's not recognized by this man. This man is lying at this pool at Bethesda. And the understanding is that occasionally God would send an angel that would stir up the waters, and the first one in the pool, first in, first served, the first one in the pool would be healed. And so when Jesus looks at this one man, now remember, this is a pool that says great number of disabled people used to lie. We don't know why Jesus looks at this one man and doesn't do this for everyone in the in the pool. We don't know. It doesn't say. But it does say he goes over to this one man, an invalid for 38 years, and says, do you want to get well? That seems like a very silly question. Why, if he didn't want to get well, would he be lying at this pool? The whole point of this pool was that you could be there just in case there was a chance of being healed. And certainly if you've been sick for 38 years, you might think it'd be obvious that you want to get well. But Jesus asked the man, do you want to get well? Now, if he's been sick for 38 years, it's not clear that he has a craft to go back to. It's not clear what his life is going to be like after he's healed. So it's a fair question. But 
The man says, well, sure, but I've got a problem. My problem is that the way this system works, it's hard for me as a lame person because, you know, the guys who are basically as those guys who are deaf, you know, they can see the water being being stirred up and they can jump right in. And those of us who are blind don't see. And those of us who are lame can't get there or paralyzed. It's just, you know, the system isn't really isn't really fair here, but somebody always gets in ahead of me. Somebody something always happens and I can't get healed. It's not my fault. And Jesus looks at him and tells him, get up, get up, take your mat, walk. And he does, gets up. He doesn't know who this guy is, but he listens. There's something in this voice. There's something in the authority of Jesus that he gets up and he can stand. 38 years, he hasn't been standing. His muscles would have atrophied. They are apparently healed. He stands, he picks up his mat and he goes home apparently. And as he's walking, the Jewish leaders say, hey, what you doing? It's Saturday. It's, it's the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath day, and you're carrying your mat. You're not supposed to do that. And he says, well, I was told to, and I was told to by someone who healed me. Who was it? I don't have any idea. That just amazes me. Jesus has come into this man's life. He has changed this man's life in a profound fashion, and apparently in all of the getting up and taking mad and walking, all of that whole, hey, I'm healed and I'm on my way, he's forgotten to even ask who did this. And Jesus has disappeared into the crowd. And he doesn't have any idea where this came from. And I wonder, do we sometimes have God intervene in our lives and we don't even take the time to think who did that? We don't even take the time to acknowledge and thank God for what has happened. Do we remember when we have been praying to go back and thank God for answered prayers? Remember the 10 lepers who were healed and the only the one who runs back to Jesus to praise him and to thank him for what he did. And the other nine got on with their lives apparently like this man did. But this man doesn't know who it is until Jesus comes to him and says, interestingly enough, stop sinning. Or something worse may happen. Now, we talk quite often about at the understanding at that time is that disease would be a response to sin. And that the question that comes up quite often is, whose sin was it? Was it this man's sin or his parents' sin that this man, for instance, was born blind? Whose sin was it that this man was an invalid for 38 years? In the case of the man born blind, he says, no, it's because... This man was born blind so that you can see the glory of God. In this man's case, and just in this man's case, he looks at the man and says, stop sinning. I understand you. I know you. I know what you've been doing, which he doesn't express to John, so John doesn't write it down. But I know that you need more healing than just your legs. You have something else wrong. You have sin which is gotten into your life, and you need to stop that. You need to stop that, or something worse may happen to you. Now, 
my immediate thought is Jesus saying, if you don't stop sinning, you will lose your legs again, or you'll get sick again or so. But that may not be the case at all. We know that the wages of sin are death. We know that sin leads us away from God, and away from God is towards death. And so it may just be Jesus saying, the road that you're on with whatever it is that you're doing that he doesn't bother to tell to us, the road that you're on leads to death. The road that you're on leads away from God. It leads away from a meaningful, productive, valuable, righteous life. That is worse than being paralyzed for 38 years. And that's interesting to note. And then at that point, the man knows who has healed him. And what does he do with that knowledge? He goes and tells the religious leaders an interesting response. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com or follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. A crazy world out there, moms and dads. I'm Katherine Seegers, host of Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you be a godly parent in an ungodly world. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.